0: Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Um, obviously, I am Izzy today. I have the absolute pleasure of having Clyde Edwards, uh, Senior Marketing Manager of Puma, and Storyteller, Sneakerhead, all of the above, uh, on with me today. So I, I appreciate you, Clyde.
1: No, I, I appreciate you for having me, um, having me on. Thank you very much. No, thank you. And it, like uh I just posted on LinkedIn about it, but um it was one of my
0: 2020 goals to actually have you on. So it was really cool that you actually responded um and we we got this going. So it's it's February 6th and I and I got, I knocked out one of my my 2020 goals. So now I have to go back to the drawing board.
1: Man, you're ahead of all of us already. Jesus.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate you. Like the the biggest thing for these these episodes, like I want it to be obviously very conversational, everything like that. Mm -hmm. But um, there's a lot of people that do listen that may not be into the things I'm into. And the reason why I know who you are, they might not know who you
1: are. So do you want to go into who you are and um, what you do? Um, Well, my name is Clyde Edwards. Obviously, you said that. Um, Currently, as far as work is concerned, um, one of the senior marketing managers for Puma North America um, outside of that I dabbled in storytelling around things that I'm passionate about um, most people that do know me um, know me from my work at inside the sneaker box um, essentially that was an agency that I um, founded, and through that I dabbled in retail I ran a couple of retailers um, did some Web design, social media. Uh, I was a buyer at one point in my career. Um, brand director. A lot of a lot of YouTube videos. A lot of people may have known that I did unboxing videos like ten years ago, before yeah. <laughs> before the the YouTube boom and all the unboxing now. Um, you know, part of the sneaker media that would be out to those trips for Jordan brand and Nike and you name it, any brand, any company. We've probably flown out to some event of some sort, wrote an article. Um, for those who are listening, if you're not familiar with Inside the Sneaker Box, but if you Google Sneaker Box Clyde or Inside the Sneaker Box, your favorite sites have our content on there. So that's pretty much what you know. What I I guess what I'm known for. Yeah. Um, and kind of hung that up four years ago. Joined. A lovely team over here at Puma moved to Boston. And I guess that's what I'm doing now, you know, and I'm embarking on a new mission, a new, a new journey. That's awesome. I, th- I think what's really cool. Um, and obviously I've done my homework on you,
0: but I think that the biggest thing that y- you say, um, there's two things, actually, the one thing that is near and dear to my heart, and I'm just going to jump into it is, um, you talk a lot about, being a good father and like you you say at one point I asked the question um really about what what you're really passionate about and mm-hmm. it's that a lot of people would say work or a lot of people would say their their hobbies or anything like that and you go into um you're most passionate about just raising your daughter and just watching her grow what how is how do you balance between obviously I, I'm guessing Puma's not a 40 hour and a week type of job. How do you balance between, all right, I have this really cool job, but I I also definitely need to be at home um, for my daughter and make sure that she,
1: she has that role model growing up. Did, did did I hear you just say that Puma is not a 40 an hour a week job? Oh man, that's funny. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell the powers that be, you said that I'm going to say, you know what, this is not a 40 an hour a week job. So I'm going home now. We work like in my position in my team and my coworkers, we're like 50, maybe 60 to 70 hours a week. We're always on um, weekends, emails are coming in nighttime, and that's not a complaint. It's just that when you do what you love, you're really always working, even when you're not, when your wife is mad at you for having your phone in your hand or checking emails. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of work, it's more than (laughs) forty more than forty hours. But as far as the balance, I mean you find time to balance things that you enjoy. And not that I enjoy um raising Chloe, like that that is my life work. You know, like for me having her was um the best thing that I decided to do. The best thing that ever happened to me. And like everything I do in my day to day is essentially to to grow as a human being, to grow as a father, to be successful in my own eyes, and to make sure that I'm laying down the foundation for her. So that's, you know, what I'm passionate about is just watching her grow and learn new words and discover new art and new artists. And, you know, she's like gotten into writing and she's writing stories. It's it's just amazing. I'm not sure if you're a father, but when you have a kid and you have a girl, it's just different.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just I different. feel that.
0: I've heard, I've heard so many amazing things. I, I'm not a father uh, just yet, but I think I've, I've heard amazing things about fatherhood and just and being a parent at the end of the day. And you mentioned something that she's doing now, and you said she's, she's really into writing and she's really into storytelling. And I know storytelling has a, obviously a massive in, influence in your life, uh, not mm-hmm. only your job, but your life as a whole – can you go into that a little bit as to like how you got into like really just going out there and telling stories like how did you get started doing that?
1: well essentially like for me in the very beginning, it was never really about sneakers or footwear for me it was always about like marketing advertising and like you said storytelling um I think sneakers or footwear in general was just like the door that opened up and I kind of like. Was welcomed in kind of just got in that way but um when i was younger not that not when i was young because i am young but when i was younger (laughs) i would find myself um thinking of brands products i would have these commercials and ideas and i still do to this day like in my head for companies like coca-cola like i have a stables commercial in my head i mean from seven years ago i have taco ideas for Taco Bell They they just come to me like this is like my gift you know like how they say oh you're god given talent or your god given gift like you can't go to school to learn the things that are in my head and not that yeah. I'm like some savant or I'm just great at what I do it's just like that's honestly my god given gift um things just come to me so like i have ideas for Taco Bell like i was saying i have i have menu ideas for Taco Bell like things that's not on their <laughs> menu that they should put on their menu like designing food and who the food is for and stuff like that so like i just found myself thinking about that and mind you i went to school for audio engineering originally so i was in the recording industry in the studio a recording engineer um, did some work with like a band and then i had my own little record label moved to atlanta and the music the music thing in that scene was like that was my scene and this is like, like way back. I mean, like MySpace days, people who like, yeah. know me from then, um, you know, music was the route for me, but I was never, I never wanted to be the artist. I was always the person who had the idea for the group who wanted to write the songs and like would story tell around the artist, the title of the music, the name of the album, stuff like that. So it was always like something natural for me. And then one day, you know, that's a long story. Maybe we'll get into it one day. But stopped music, came back from Atlanta um, a month later, took the job I had back, super dove into, like, streetwear. And then, you know, that's when I started, like, Art and Water. And, oh, my God, that's a long time ago. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, it's always been about just brand, marketing, storytelling. That's when people ask me, like, oh, what sports team do you like? Like I don't, I don't follow teams. I follow players because that's where the story is. The story yeah. is with the player and the players and their brands, and that's what I kind of gravitated to, not the teams. Yeah. So I don't have, I don't have a sports team. I don't care about you know sports like that. I don't have a team, but I'm super into players and their personal brand and like what they do with their brand to help people. I feel that there's
0: there's so many stories in in sports and there's stories everywhere, right? But um, because we put these athletes on a pedestal, you you see a lot of stories that maybe like someone like me, I can relate with a lot of different uh, different athletes because I've been in some of their shoes, right? I've been in. Uh, I grew up in Chicago. I grew up to a very very humble family and humble beginnings, and um, we were. I was lucky enough to, before we went to a really crappy high school in Chicago, my, my parents took a chance and moved us out to the suburbs and it worked out for us. Um, but just seeing how my cousins grew up and seeing how we had to, like, what we were avoiding um, and then seeing what these athletes go through to get to where they are, it's, it's, it's humbling and it's, it's crazy. And those are stories that I, I really um, almost gravitate towards. And it's cool. I, I like how you put that. You don't follow teams. You follow the players because that's where the stories are. And that's that's truly like I, so many people jumped on this this Chiefs bandwagon um, because of the stories that came along with the quarterback and then even possibly the coach right now with how long it had been, him mm-hmm. coaching and everything like that. And it it was crazy to see that movement really – really move along. And the same thing in the, the NBA, it goes in the NHL, all these different places. So I really I really like that, and I, I appreciate that. And um, one of the stories that I, I really have been gravitating towards, um, and it's probably close with you, I saw, uh, not obviously not too long ago, uh, there was things in the works, and there's uh, a possible endorsement deal, or there is an endorsement deal with J. Cole and Puma. And mm-hmm. there's a, a ton of people that obviously J Cole has this massive following, right? And we, um, like in the office, we're we're bumping his music a lot. But we, there's something to there's something to say with who he is as, as a person and what he actually raps about and what he sings about. It, um, it really kind of relates back to the the end person, right? The listener, and yep. it hits people in a different way. Um, and I when I talk about shoes. I'm not just about the shoes, right? I, I just went to Kiss for the first time, actually, uh, earlier today. And the other first time I there, went
1: into... what was that? That was your first time at
0: Kiss. Yeah, first time at Kiss ever, at least Kiss Brooklyn. And, okay, cool. Um, it was cool, like, but I didn't go in there to go support this this hype label. I went in there to support Ronnie, even though he probably doesn't need my support. But like, I went in there because I've heard his story, and I've heard that he's this this master and I went in there to do like just support and just hearing those stories is really, really dope. And it's crazy how it inspires you to take action, even if that's not what they're trying to do.
1: You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's very important. Like that's how people connect to other people, like, you know, relating to where they come from, maybe a struggle that they've been through or just being inspired by them. Like I know Ronnie very well. Um, I mean, you know, like I said, like sneaker box, it's like what started me on my journey, um, in my life journey. And I met Ronnie in 2010 when, you know, when Greg Street was doing Sneaker Friends, when yeah. that was like the like ultimate place you can go. That was before the sneaker cons and the sneaker conventions. And there was no complex con. I mean, that's like agenda was very new and I'm not even sure if Liberty existed. I can't even remember. It was really like Project um, Agenda. So I met Ronnie yeah. like, back in 2010, and that's where I met a lot of people. I met Clark there. Me and Clark became, you know, really good friends. Um, Pete, I met Pete there. But this was a place that, you know, Sneaker Friends was a, was something like very meaningful for the culture, um, and you got to meet people and like really build with them. And depending on who you were as a person it was just a trip for you and about some sneakers and hype, or you actually built relationships and those relationships and you know, how we relate to other people. Like that's how I built my relationships. That's why I'm still friends with a Pete, a Clark or Ronnie to this day. Like I can pick up the phone and call them, talk to them, ask them a question, send them a text. Obviously Ronnie's probably the most busiest person. I don't, I don't bother him, but if I ever text him, I always get a reply back, you know?
0: Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And like I said, that's it's it's really humbling just hearing those stories. I actually just said um, I sat down for coffee uh, with Dion from Yellow Brick Sneakers yesterday oh, Okay. and um, we were going back and forth and the dude was like just very, very just humbling because he uh, obviously opened the doors of Yellow Brick and just wanted to sit down and have a, like, was open to a conversation. I wasn't, obviously wasn't trying to pitch him anything, sell him on anything. I just said, yo, let's have a conversation. And just to hear, honestly, uh, Dion told me that I I absolutely needed to do my homework on you uh, because when I told him that you were going to be on, he was like, this is a massive opportunity for you, Um, but then a massive opportunity to get Clyde's story out there. And he remembers when he used to go and visit you down at the sneaker store in Miami and everything like that so do you want to chat on how you got started in the industry and how you really put that first step forward
1: yeah sure of course um i mean it's a really long story but i'll try to give you like the short version okay. so 2008 9 i was a network analyst and i worked for comcast this is like right when comcast was becoming an xfinity so I was I was doing my own company on the side. This is MySpace Days, um, Art and Water. Like I told you, I was really into music. I stopped yeah. doing the music thing. I dove, I mean, like headfirst into like streetwear and fashion. This is like when Frank, Frank the Butcher and Jeff, those guys were doing Weekly Drop. I would, that was like the Bible to me. I would listen to every word they say. This is when podcasts, nobody knew what podcast was, but these guys were like the streetwear Bible podcasts. So I would listen to Frank and Jeff and just learn about different companies and um, stu- I was super into Stussy and like Fresh Coin and Fresh Jive and um, Rocksmith. I mean I'm naming a bunch of streetwear brands and Cake and then two for the two two in the shirt. I had this website. Fast forward, I had this idea like, hey, I told my friend, you know what we should do? We should record videos talking about the stuff that we talk about in person we always talk about these shoes and why we love them the materials the colors oh we know a little bit about the designer but it wasn't like we knew everything because i don't know everything and honestly i i don't want to know everything i'm not the the nike talk genius i've never even been on nike talk but that's so surprising <laughs> for some people i've never been to nike talk doesn't matter we were into sneakers we were into style being fresh, and just the, the the footwear was something that was an expression of who we were. So I had an idea. I want to film you talking about the shoes, and that was it. Um, he didn't want to do it alone. He was like, you have to be on camera. It's your idea. We drank some, like, Grey Goose or something to build up, <laughs> to, like, calm our nerves. We yeah. decided to get a flip cam. I don't know if you remember what a flip cam is, Yeah. but we got a flip cam from Best Buy. <laughs> started recording videos, just talking about shoes. It wasn't any amazing editing. It wasn't like hype shoes. It was just general release shoes that we liked. We would talk about stuff with that was in our, um, in our collection. And then I said, you know, what's cool because we're like building this, these relationships with, um, these store owners in Miami, let's start telling their story or let's take our viewers. Not that we had like a bunch of viewers, into the retail locations and then that's kind of like how Sneakerbox started we, we we did interviews with people it was about people and their story and obviously people cared about the shoes but we t- we talked about more than shoes we, we told stories and then you know the brand started reaching out showing us love and then the blog started putting our content on their websites we built like Super like organic relationships with guys like Matt Hatfield who I've known for like 10 plus years from Nice Kicks um You Ming yeah. from sneaker news like you Ming alone taught me so much just in like Writing and like running a blog the do's and don'ts. He would always like check me Like you shouldn't do this You should do it this way if I did something wrong and like giving credit and like other things like behind the scene Like he would teach me so much, you know that nobody knows because I don't talk about these things And then like Marcus Troy, I know Marcus very well too. Marcus would be like, if Clyde, if you're gonna do this, you need to be the CNN of sneakers, and you're the authority (laughs) and have your own opinion. He would like lecture me, but he wasn't dissing me. He was giving me creative criticism, and like, cause he wanted to see me win. And like these things stuck with me. And then one day, long story short, one day Mr. R, um, who's Jose Rye, he asked me Clyde, cause I would do my shows. Eventually, I started doing my shows in his store. I found a retailer, built an amazing relationship, and set up my quote-unquote studio office in the middle of his store. We would sit at his Nike sportswear table and talk about sneakers that we were releasing in two, three weeks from you know the time our video aired. And that's when Nike put the rule in, you can't talk about or show the sneaker no more than seven days before the launch date. They did yeah. that because of us. That rule was created... Was created because of Sneaker Box. Wow! So, crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, Mister R asked me one day, Clyde, how much do you make? And when once he asked me that, I knew I was quitting Comcast and I was going to make my way into the sneaker industry. And I mean, thanks so much for him because he saw something that I probably didn't even see in myself. Like he saw something and took a chance on me by asking me that question, giving me access to his. Brands and his product. I mean, I learned so much about companies and product, and not just Nike. I mean, Adidas and Merrill and Lacoste and Puma. I mean, you name it. Because it's a store on South Beach, so the type of the type of consumers that we had there, like the tourists. I learned the Brazilian market. I mean, I learned so much from working at Mr. R Sports and him opening his his company. Mind you, this guy had been in business for forty years back then. He didn't. Wow. He didn't need me. I mean he didn't have a website or or social media and I built that and I built another stream of revenue for him and I put the brand on the map. But to make money, he didn't need me. He just saw something in me and said, you know what? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this guy close to me and allow him to like grow and that's kinda how I got in the industry. You know, I started buying all the product that came in the doors because I knew the customer and I learned the brands. I would help the staff on the floor, I would do everything I can I could. And I started traveling, you know, and that's kind of like how I got my start in sneakers. That's the quick story. That's amazing. Like we, I, I've read that,
0: but even, even just hearing it again, it's just, it's, it's an amazing story. And it's cool that people, like you said, you're, you're not afraid to say, hey, if it wasn't for this person. I wouldn't be here today. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. if it wasn't for these people giving me opportunities or giving me that constructive feedback, um, for, for me to actually grow up and learn something like that, that goes a long way. I feel like the, my generation specifically takes feedback almost in a, in a bad way. Um, mm. and, and we, like, there's definitely people that do it in a, in the right way, but I feel like we, um, as a generation are very, very very just like we put up this wall right we always think we're right and I think um, something that we do just me as an entrepreneur and running uh, a few companies I think something that I do um, very well that's everybody asks me like what do you do differently like how can I get to your point and I, mm-hmm. I think the, the number one thing is hey I, I'm open to this, this feedback and I'm open to yep. listening and everything that if if I know that somebody's been through what I've been through uh, or what I'm going through right now, I'm not just going to make myself go through it. I'm going to go and act as, ask them for, like, let's get, grab a drink or something like that, just to pick their brain. Um, and I don't think my generation does a good job at that, but that story is incredible. Um,
1: there's there's and- no way you can get to where you want to be in life, like, on your own. You have to have help along the way. Like, there's so many people that are very instrumental in my career. I mean, like I said, 10 years. I mean, Mr. R... Um, You know, there's other retailers that I work with, Um, the guys over at Addict, Eric, you know, Clark is very, very, um, very opening and very, very helpful to us. I mean, Clark sat down in 21 Mercer and designed a beast book on camera with us. Like, I don't even people don't even know that video exists. Like this was seven years ago, you know, and like we we have interviews with Ronnie Feig when he was doing Asics and smashing it. We, we did an interview. We did a, a sneaker box episode with Ronnie via phone. Like, I'm me and my friend Sticky. We were on camera, and Ronnie's on speakerphone because he did. <laughs> he, I mean, he just believed in what, what we were doing. And then obviously, we have two more episodes with him on camera. I mean, yeah. I mean, Ronnie from back in David Z. We went to David Z's and he showed us the store. This is all on camera, this, this is an episode, and then gave us a tour of New York. Like, people are so like, were so supportive and like helped, I mean, helped us. Joe La Puma from Complex. We did a complex sneaker invasion. I mean, that's a video, like go Google it and find it. Like when the South Beach eights um, dropped. Yeah. Like Joe La Puma like let us come up to Complex Sneakers. This is before Complex Sneakers was Complex Sneakers. Wow. It was something else first, I forgot the name of it. And like Gerald, like these guys, I mean our success and my success and wherever I am now, It wasn't done alone. There's people who gave us access and like welcomed us into their circle and stuff like that, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's extremely dope. I think um, what's really, really cool about your story is that, like you said, like the, the sneakers were a byproduct of what you actually wanted, like what you're doing right now. Like you're, you're interested in the storytelling and you're interested in the marketing end. But the sneakers like it was almost like icing on the top. Right. So like you're obviously very passionate about that as well. But like this marketing end and you having all these different commercial ideas and all these different ideas as a a whole for other brands um, is is nuts. What do you what do you ultimately like what do you think um, that that point is or where do you think that point was where you went from, okay. This is really, really cool. And have you gotten to a point where, okay, this is work? Or are you walking in every day with a smile and you're like, all right, I get to work on something I'm, I'm really, really passionate about?
1: I mean, I, I know it's work because, I, I've you know, it's a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of prep, a lot of, um, you know, brainstorming and traveling and a lot of PowerPoint decks. So I know it's work. But yeah. I'm so fortunate that I get to do – something i love and i'm able to afford to take care of my family and i'm able to help people and get other people checks and you know open up doors for people or just inspire people so i'm very fortunate that i'm able to do that and you know it doesn't feel like work obviously because when you do what you love it doesn't feel like work but yeah i know it's work obviously
0: yeah no, I feel that there's there's a lot that goes into obviously like right now I have a content agency and mm-hmm. uh, one of the big pushes in 2020 was okay I'm looking at my staff and I, I gave everybody like hey give me five things you're really passionate about mm-hmm. and from those five things I try to um, try to get a client in each of those things for for us obviously but then it's easier for any any of our employees to come into work and say okay I I want to be doing this. Like I had a videographer, we just signed on Royal Enfield. It's a big, uh, it's a big motorcycle company. They're actually worldwide out of India, but then their headquarters in the U S is in the North American headquarters is in Milwaukee. And I had one of my videographers come up to me on Monday and he was like, Hey, I, I wanted to thank you. I never thought I I would be working on a project like this ever in my life. And like, those are the little things like I'm, I'm going to be 27 this year. And I I never thought I would be a boss at 27, to be completely honest. And I never thought I'd own my own company. But just to get to that point, and just that, like, I now have the opportunity to build a culture that I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, And that's the reason why I didn't really fit in in the corporate culture or the corporate cultures I was in. Um, So now I have that opportunity. And I've been really just taking it on so i feel that i i I want everybody to kind of have that mindset where yes it is work but like it's it's fun at the end of the day and i like coming in um but same same with me industry wise um what do you think the future is um let's let's say the marketing industry what do you think we're going to lean very heavy um in advancements of tech or do you think we're gonna go, I, I know everybody thinks that we we tend to go backwards before we go forwards. Do you think we're gonna go into more of old school type of ads or anything like that? What do you think the future is?
1: Um, me personally, I think that <clears throat> we may have hit, I wouldn't say we hit a plateau, but I feel that we're pretty advanced. Like everything is like social, digital engagement. You know, do the kids want to engage with the product on the iPad? Can they, can this be VR'd? Can you spin the speaker, the sneaker around or the product around, you know, via your iPhone? I think that something is going to change soon. And it may be up to to like some of the gatekeepers to help this change or some of the bigger brands to help the change. But I think something is going to change where traditional marketing and more physical and old school classic methods are going to come back because yeah. people still want to just people still nostalgia is not going anywhere there's nostalgic product for everybody so nostalgia um storytelling obviously isn't going to go anywhere materials i think there's different things that need to be like marketed, I guess, but, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think it'll go backwards. I think, I think we're going to start digressing, not in a bad way, but I think we're going to go back to more traditional ways of like product launches, um, obtaining your product communication methods in, in the, in the race to be more limited and scarce and create demand. There's going to be some, some interesting tactics that are going to be put in place to do so. At I, least that's my at least, at least that's my opinion.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think um, today's consumer, especially, I I feel like um, with Gen Z, everybody talks about Gen Z just being on their phones or on their iPads or playing video games or anything like that. But um, we've seen that Gen Z wants to get out and do more, right? And we want to, mm-hmm. they want to go out and actually touch the product, and they want yeah. to go out and do these different things where. Um, I, I, mainstream media or people's stats say otherwise, but I feel like um, the the complex cons of the world, or that, like you said, the product launches where they it pump instead of just looking at the product or trying it on via VR. Um, there's a lot of the there's a lot of the next generations population that actually want to ex- have that experience surrounded around around the entire product, and um, I think it's it it'll be interesting for sure. I think it will um, be the the future of ad agencies and everything like that is definitely there's there's a ton of different um, reactions out there but I feel like what might change is that it's gonna give um, the little guy uh, really more of an opportunity I feel like what the the bit the the big ad agencies of the world will always make their money mm-hmm. um, but I think at the end of the day I I feel like more people are gonna give a, be given a chance to sit at the table and at least give a pitch or give an idea or anything like that. So yeah. I'm really excited for the future of, of marketing. But um, what do you think about the shoe industry? Like, what where do you think, do you think this hype, obviously everybody's in on shoes right now. Do you think this hype's gonna continue? Do you, or do you think it's gonna pl-
1: plateau or decrease? What do you think? I think it's gonna continue. Like, it's just gonna shift. It's going to continue. It's not going to... I don't think it ever has a ceiling. It'll be a new designer doing new things, and that will be plastered all over different tiers of product. Distribution strategies will be altered, and launch methods will be altered. But the hype will never go away. The hype will just change. Today we're on red. Tomorrow we're going to be on blue. Yep.
0: I feel that. It was crazy. Um, I forgot what I was reading. Or I was actually uh, watching a Mr. Fomer Simpson uh, mm-hmm. review of the all-red Jordan 3s that are dropping next week. And he said uh, they're a great shoe, but they would, like, he feels like the time for red and the all-red shoe is, is past. And now it's time for a different color. To, like it's 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 not the right time for those to drop. And it really had me thinking, like, hey, I wonder what like what product he would have said, like these are the perfect color for right now type of thing. And just seeing that that shift. And I I I truly think like with the advancements on um, smaller brands or or just I I think the hype will always be a thing, like you said, and the the culture will always be there. Um, but I think there's gonna be with the different designers that are coming at the table. And I think Puma does a great job at this. So I want to applaud you guys on this. But um, you guys bring a ton of different, just um, a ton of different uh, cultures and you bring diversity to the entire thing. So we're not just looking at the same thing every time Um, you have uh, collaborations with people in America, you have collaborations with people in Russia, but then you have collaborations that maybe deconstruct the shoe or add to the shoe, like, like Alexander John. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that will keep the culture going is that, like you said, there's so many things out there and um, there, I I don't think we're ever going to get too much of it. I think people are going to always be addicted. People are always going to be wanting the next new thing. Great thing. But um, if you could stand out, like when I, when I picked up the, um, I was at ComplexCon Chicago, and that's actually where I met um, Alexander John. And I was chatting back and forth with him uh, when he launched his uh, the first collaboration with Ralph Sampson. And I, I really, I picked up the shoe, and we were chatting. And I was asking him almost the same questions as I'm asking you now. And he's going to jump on the podcast in a, in a few weeks, but it was just interesting hearing it from his perspective and he said the same thing. He was like, Hey, I, if somebody gets too bored with one thing, let's as a designer, that's where he is almost challenged to, okay, what do you think they're going to like, my consumer is going to want next. Like yeah. I want to be three steps ahead of someone. So, um, I think Puma's in a, in a good shot or uh, in a good place right now. And I think a lot of people, um, are are looking up at you guys really, and just to see how much you guys have done and, and stayed within the culture and haven't. One of the things that my buddy who is uh, who has been wearing Pumas with me since um, I when I can remember, he said this. He said uh, Puma hasn't sold out, and uh, that really hit me because that was a couple of weeks ago before you we had put even anything on the schedule for this. Mm-hmm. He said, Puma hadn't sold out. And I asked him what he meant by that. And he almost gave me a runaround answer. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's really cool just hearing stuff like that. Like, you guys really haven't sold out. And I, I, Give I, that I guy a raise. <laughs> 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 I'm definitely going to have to tell him that I plugged him there. His name's Chris. So I'm, I'm definitely going to tell him I, I plugged him there. But you guys are doing a Chris great job. Chris is an
1: individual. He's, <laughs> he's happy being his self.
0: Exactly. And that's... <laughs> That um that goes a long way, and I think the the next generation has to almost just embrace that. You don't have to follow what everybody else is doing. At the end of the day, it's okay to be yourself. and uh, exactly. the people that have embraced that look at where they are now.
1: Exactly. you have no idea. like I used to get I want to say clowned, but people would laugh because I had a collection of, let's say board flips. And depending on, and and some, you know, one of these guys is like a sucker, and one is my friend. My friend, if he hears this, he's gonna laugh. But (laughs) um, I'm like, am I allowed to like board flips? Like, I'm into skateboarding when I was way younger and super, super slim. I used to skateboard. Like, nobody knows that unless you lived in Miami Gardens or Biscayne Gardens, where I lived, and you were like my neighbor. I was on half pikes and all that stuff. But I, I I was super into skating, and obviously I'm a huge all fan. So yeah, I bought a bunch of board flips, and like I had like 11 pair. And you know, like people—not people, but I guess some people maybe were like clowning me. Like, well, how can you clown somebody because they like something that you I, don't like? Like, you want me to be like you? You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm good being like myself and then i, I even had i used to have people ask me like i only would do like reviews on i only say good things about sneakers when i talk about them why am i going to review a sneaker that i don't like <laughs> i wouldn't I like I, it, it wouldn't i wouldn't own it exactly. I'm, on, I'm reviewing sneakers that i own i'm not going to go buy an ugly sneaker to talk about it and trash it I'm going to okay. buy something I like and then tell you, hey, I like this blue. You know, it's a nice nappy suede, and I love how the guy did some cross-stitching here and the leather in the back is pretty comfortable. You know, the guy's name is this who designed it. And if you look at the insole, you can see he put, like, a constellation on the in- on the thing because his daughter's into, like, astrology or whatever. Like, you tell the story and, like, why you like the shoe. Like, oh, there's nothing negative to say because I like the shoe. Feel sure, that.
0: I love that. There's, it's crazy how many people, like you said, it's just, why do I have to like something because you like it? And why do I not have to like something because you like it? Like that's, that type of stuff. It's, it's society is just driven to, I, I feel like I, so to give you a little bit of a backdrop, I studied sports management in college, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, got offered really, I went to a whole bunch of sales combines, um, for sports sales uh, got offered jobs really all over the the nation and ended up staying in milwaukee uh, where i went to school took a job with the bucks and i was being told how to sell and um, the bucks did a great job of that and i ultimately got um, i thought i was doing so well that i started seeking um, a uh, a promotion elsewhere and Mm -hmm. got a, a promotion uh, through another company within Milwaukee that owned like the Milwaukee Marathon and a whole hope is a sports conglomerate and they tried to switch everything up because they had their own way to sell and their own way to partner and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, while I was, I was completely open to that. It, it started hampering like who I, it, who I was as a person, like who, and who, like how I sold to people. I'm a, I'm a very, I'm, from Chicago and like I grew up in the Midwest so like I, I I like relationships and I I really like to sit down and have a conversation and it was crazy yesterday people Same. were like wait you just seriously want to talk like that's cool and <laughs> uh, like that's, that's that's me like I I probably talk way too much but I I genuinely want to connect with somebody because I feel like if if people get to know me like I I I'd like to think I'm a cool guy um so over time yeah maybe maybe someone might want to buy from me um, in sponsorships or tickets at the time. And um, when I started to switch, switch it back up to showing off who I was, um, that's when the power, like that's when the the contract started coming in and everything like that. So I think it's really important now to almost change that way of thinking where you have to be almost one way uh, in order to succeed or in order to, really fit in, you don't have to conform to to be yourself, right? I think that's the beauty of it. Like being yourself is almost helping you stand out in a way right now.
1: And that should be your brand, being yourself. (laughs)
0: Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I I I, I appreciate this conversation, uh, Clyde, and I think um, I want to get massively into detail, but I also want to do it in person. So I don't want to go like crazy, crazy long. Um, so I'm going to ask you one more question and it's the question we ask everybody on the podcast. Um, so the, the podcast itself is called strange on purpose, as you know. Um, so I'm going to ask you what makes you strange on
1: purpose? Um, I think you just kind of said it, you know, what makes me strange on purpose is knowing that I can be myself, not conform and be very successful and have very, um, real relationships you know i have like real friends and real people in the industry at all kind of levels you know yeah i think that's what makes me strange on purpose is that i choose to be who i am and to do to do what i do on purpose i love that i love that well dude i'll
0: i'm gonna take you for like two seconds afterwards but i appreciate you jumping on the strange on purpose podcast
1: Oh, thank um, you for having definitely
0: me. Definitely go follow this dude. If Actually, where can people find you?
1: So on Instagram, I'm Clyde Edwards. On Twitter, I am still Box Clyde, until they stop playing games and give me Clyde <laughs> Edwards.
0: <laughs> nice. Awesome. And, yeah.
1: And I know we didn't really get into it, but um, if you guys are out there listening and you want to like, I know we're going to be back again, but if you want to support what I'm doing, please check out Food and Convo.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm going to leave, if you're listening on YouTube, I will leave all the links um, to follow Clyde and everything like that, and then to follow Food and Convo because I am dumb and didn't bring that up, but I think um, everything that he's doing is, is doing great, and he has a really big launch here coming up shortly. So we, I think we're going to have to do a part two here shortly as well, but. Again, I appreciate you jumping on, Clyde. Uh, No no problem.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.